Robert Nauer, CPCM, CPPO, former government contracting officer and CEO of the Acquisition Institute. Ever heard the statement, keep it simple, stupid, or nice people would say just keep it simple. Uh, I like the statement, keep it simple, stupid, because so many people are absolutely stupid about how they do some things. They make life harder for themselves. They develop contracts that are more difficult and more complex than they need to be. Everything they try to do, they try to justify their jobs by, if I make the contract seem more complex, then it makes it look like I've really done something. And none of that is really necessary. That's why I like it. Keep it simple, stupid. Because it's just so true of everything that we do in life. In life, in government contracting, and sometimes we just can't help but make things more complex than they really need to be. And in government contracting, it doesn't matter whether that's a paragraph, a page, a clause, a contract provision, an attachment that goes on with a contract. We make things just too damn difficult. Now that's where something that uh, I was an expert in called a PWS, a performance work statement, comes in very handy because a PWS or a performance work statement is normally section C of a federal contract. And section C is really what we consider the heart of a government contract. It's what describes the work that is needing to be accomplished or the services that need to be performed. And we put attachments onto a contract later on in reference to that PWS. Anyway, so by placing more of the true performance issues that you would expect of a vendor or a contractor into a PWS and not on the government itself. We don't expect the government to specify how work is to be done. We simply specify the end outcomes, the final result that we want to have achieved by a vendor or contractor. By doing this process of creating a well-honed PWS, it ends up simplifying everything. It simplifies it for the government. It simplifies it for the contractor because all we are looking for is outcomes. And yet, at the same token, we, the government, need to understand how we're going to measure and manage those outcomes which means we need something called a quality assurance surveillance plan, quality assurance system to ensure that the contractor's quality control system is implicitly embedded in the contract to ensure that the government gets the kind of performance that is agreed to at negotiation and or is as stated in the contract awarded document. So it all sounds pretty simple, but it's not. Writing a, a well-honed PWS can be rather complex, but we try to write it in a way that is easily understood. Instead, I don't want to write that the government requires a contract uh, airplane to be built with a certain type of jet engine uh, made by so-and-so that has the following components in it. No, all we say is we want a jet engine that will power a plane to do a certain speed, certain fuel consumption, and fly at a certain altitude, et cetera, et cetera. Those are performance outcomes. But no matter what PWS we do and for what product or service we're doing, we, the government, need a very well-trained quality assurance team 
that is headed by a COR, a contracting officer's representative, and have sufficient uh, subordinate personnel below that COR if it's a really complex contract in order to perform proper inspections. And we have to know what inspections we want to make. And also then we have to spell out what documented proof um, that an inspection or service had or was rendered uh, so that an item or a service either passed or failed its inspection dependent upon 100% inspection, which means we inspect every single widget that is produced, every single service outcome that is delivered. It's very costly, very time-consuming, and very expensive to do that. And generally, the government only does that kind of thing in very serious contracts that deal with life or limb, uh, etc. For example, in the production of uh, AR-15s, M-16s, guns, um, MP-5s, whatever kind of weapon that we might be supplying to Ukraine right now for their soldiers. We don't go in and do a 100% inspection with our COR of those weapons that are produced. We do a random sampling. It's, it's the least expensive and the most logical. That if services or production is sampled correctly, it will catch mistakes. So random sampling is generally performed by the government on large lots or services because it is least expensive, but it also has to be done correctly. Otherwise, the random sampling is utterly worthless. has to be done correctly, has to be sampled correctly, has to be documented correctly. And then we have something that there's various terms for. I just call them infrequent inspections. Hey, I'm walking along. I see the grass wasn't mowed correctly. I'm not making a random sample. I'm not doing 100%. I'm just walking along the sidewalk and I go, damn it, the contractor didn't mow this grass correctly. He scalped it and cut it. That would be more of an impromptu infrequent inspection. And that's the worst kind of inspection. Because it doesn't mean that the whole job was done incorrectly. It doesn't mean that we're going to catch mistakes. It just means that by happenstance, you caught one particular screw up. So along with this vein um, and keeping things simple, let's take a look at building a custom built house, which I've done quite a few of, where you have the foundation, the rough end plumbing, rough end electrical, whether it's cinder block or framing, the trusses, the roofing, of which there are many types of roofing, the drywall, the finished work, whether you do use foam insulation or standard insulation, blown insulation, whatever, then the finished plumbing, finished wiring, finished carpentry, cabinets, tile, flooring, caulking, and of course, let's don't forget the driveway and the landscaping. So you have all of that to do. The question is, are you going to be the idiot that develops a statement of work for how to build the house that you want built where you're probably going to end up leaving things out or are you going to simply specify in a performance work statement the type of house that you want built the type of look that you're looking for the type of economies that you're looking for the type of efficiencies environmental efficiencies you're looking for the type of electronic uh, solar efficiencies etc 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 that you're looking for. Generally, it makes more logical sense to spell out the type of house you want built, the look of the house, uh, 
and all those other things to a custom contractor so that that contractor gets what you want, designs a plan, slaps it in front of you on a desk and says, is this what you're looking for? And you go, no, that's still not what I'm looking for. Or yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Can you build me that? And then you get the kind of house that you want. It's that simple. So it, a PWS specifies the type of house, the type of building supplies, the type of outcomes you want, the type of HVAC system, whether it's a SEER 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever, the type of driveway that you want, the look of the driveway, you need to spell out the outcomes, what you want these things to look like that are going to be delivered by the contractor. Because if you don't do that, and then you have to have, again, in place a quality assurance system to ensure that the contractor did a quality job of building and constructing all of those things. Otherwise, you end up with a really shitty house. And I'm going to give you an example of this. There's a custom builder down in Vero Beach, Florida, and uh, I had a house built. And I'm not going to say his name because I'm not going to denigrate the SOB that did it. But the COC, the Certificate of Occupancy, was issued by Vero Beach and Indian River County's Building uh, Inspector, Building Department. And so one would normally assume that um, because they had been doing inspections all along during the build, that this contractor that um, took money from me would have been doing his job really well. Well... After we moved in, I started to get leaks in the entranceway of the house. And I'm going, what the hell? There's water coming out of the electrical socket. So as a normal person, I got a ladder out, got up on top of the roof, and lo and behold, I had a concrete tile roof. Concrete tile is a very expensive roof. Used to run about $60,000 to put a concrete roof on. I think right now they're running about eighty dollars to 90000 because of all the increased cost. Anyway, not only had the subcontractor for this so-called custom contractor not finished the roof, it's, uh, and the part that wasn't finished was what's called a cricket. A cricket on a roof is where water will collect because it doesn't flow correctly. And you want crickets to always be um, built, set up correctly with you want uh, something like, I'm trying to think of it, gator, gator uh, sheathing, uh, peel and stick. It's a, it's a, has a lifetime warranty because that way once it's put down properly, it's warranted for lifetime because it sticks so well. It doesn't allow water to penetrate. Not only had this roofer not put on felt, which is all the basic uh, requirements were for Indian River County, but he didn't put the concrete. He didn't put any additional sheathing over it. He simply left the plywood exposed. And I was so pissed off and so aghast that Indian River County's uh, director of building inspections would have not caught this. So I went to them and I said, what the hell? You guys approved and signed off on a roof that hadn't been completed, and I'm now living with this shithole leaking through my roof? Well, needless to say, it ended up costing me $8,500 out of pocket to do what the prime contractor, this shitty little custom builder, should have done and his subcontractor should have done. 
And to make matters worse, uh, he was kind of what I would call a shyster. He didn't want to complete the job. He didn't want to own up to his responsibilities, even though he gave us a one-year warranty on his work. So I will never, ever rely on anybody else to do inspections again on anything I built. I will do the inspections along with the county. I will make sure. And that's ultimately a rule of thumb. Don't ever rely on other people to ensure that something was done correctly. My saying is like this, get off your ass and get out there and check it out yourself. Get off your ass and get on a ladder each and every time as a house is being built and check out everything yourself. Take off every electrical outlet and look to see if the wiring was done correctly or if wires have been exposed incorrectly. Ultimately, it's up to the consumer to get out and do those things. So, rule of thumb, if you're going to do anything custom build, you are responsible for your own quality control. And that was a $8,500 lesson I learned well. Never going to happen again. The building of a large federal building or any kind of large commercial building is very similar to building a custom built house. Again, you specify what is required, what you want it to look like, how you want it to be built. And of course, if you're talking a federal building, it has to be built to very high standards to withstand bomb blast, have bollards all outside to protect um, trucks like um, Oklahoma City from being left outside or ramming through a gate, bomb-proof windows, shatter-proof windows. I mean, it's, federal buildings are expensive buildings. I helped build um, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing's um, visitor facility and visitor center service contract down in Dallas-Fort Worth, and that was where you had a combination of both a building and a service provided so that visitors could go see how uh, they make our currency and a much more complex. And of course, there you have a well ingrained quality control system for ensuring you get what you want. And then, one of the, as, as I got towards the end of my career, uh, prior to me going to Washington, D.C., I worked at Lockheed Martin Orlando for DCMA. Final contracts that I worked on was the simulator system for the F 32 Joint Strike Fighter built by Lockheed Martin. And there's literally thousands of people involved in the build not only of the aircraft itself but the separated simulator system that you use to train all the pilots on and all of the electronics all of the wiring for that system you had specialist quality assurance and quality control specialists who were trained in all of that type of construction of that module to ensure that the software was done correctly, that the coding was done correctly, that the seats were correct, that everything looked like it was supposed to look for a simulator. Thousands of hours of inspections and testing and retesting. And of course, it had to pass test and they didn't get progress payments unless they could show that they passed the quality control test. So depends on what you're building. But again, I can say, the simplest way to say, I want a simulator system built for the F-32 Joint Strike Fighter that 100% emulates, looks like, acts like, functions like the real, actual, working plane. Now, that's a pretty simplistic way of saying, here's what I want done. 
do it and do it this way. Leave it up to the contractor to figure out how to present that to the government for inspection. And that really, in a nutshell, is the whole process behind putting together a performance work statement. Now, down the road, um, another part of the keep it simple, stupid process, I was teaching a course on statements of work and performance work statements and government contracting to Parsons Engineering out in Pasadena, California. And while I was teaching the class, the chief executive officer of Parsons came in and disrupted the class for a couple minutes. And uh, he looked at me and he said, so uh, what are you teaching my people? And I said, I'm teaching them about performance work statements. And he said, yes, I've heard about that. He goes, um, tell me a little bit about this just briefly so I know what you're doing. And I said, well, the bottom line is the government for many years has been performance work statement oriented, sir. But we are now going to be looking at having contractors build and submit performance work statements to us uh, that we will incorporate in our government contracts and then put it out for bid or for proposal development. And we will scrutinize and pick the best performance work statements submitted by multiple contractors. And whichever performance work statement we deem to be the best is the one that's going to end up getting the job. And he goes, hmm, okay, that's pretty smart. He goes, that's a, that's a logical way of looking at it. And I think we can train our people here at Parsons to do that kind of thing. So, and that's exactly when I worked at the Department of Labor, I would go out and I would hire contractors to submit performance work statements for a specific type of work. And then we would go through a source selection process to scrutinize which one was the best. And then we would put that out on an RFP, a request for proposals. And that is the whole concept really behind keeping it simple. And if you, in life, doesn't matter whether it's a contract, whether it's something you do at home, something you do at work, it really pays to not make your work harder. You know, you've always heard the topic, don't work harder, work smarter. Well, a part of that is to keep it simple, stupid. And before I end this, I want to go back and just um, go back to the situation where I had the custom build house builder down in Vero Beach um, build me a house with an incompleted roof. And some of you were probably wondering, well, how could that possibly happen that the contractor was able to get away with that? Well, two things. One, the uh, building department that does the inspections, the director of building told me, we don't have our inspectors get up on ladders or fly drones over the house to see if the roof was properly completed. We just don't do that. And I said, well, why the hell not? Why can't you just buy a fucking drone that cost about $289 and fly it over the house if you're not going to put your inspectors up on ladders to at least see if the goddamn roof was completed correctly? And he said, our insurance won't cover that kind of thing. I said, still, why don't you get a goddamn drone and send it up there and take a look and see if the roof was completed correctly? And he looked at me and he goes, well, that does make a lot of sense. Duh. Anyway, so we went to a lawyer 
to see if we could actually sue this son of a bitch contractor that didn't complete our roof on our custom built house and it was a nice custom built house down in Vero with a pool and everything concrete roof looked like all the other $700,000 houses and the lawyer took a look at our contract and he said well I know this guy and he's a sleaze artist he said so he doesn't have any money that you can physically get a hold of and 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 even if you attempt to sue him he says it'll cost you $50,000 just to get it in court and to sue. And even then, there's no guarantee you're going to squeeze any juice out of him. And he says, and from what I know, all of his money is offshore. So the reality is, even if you were to get a judgment and pay out 50000 or more to me, he goes, it just wouldn't be worth it. So what I'm telling you is, he knew he could get away with it and most contractors know this so that's why you have to be very very careful in selecting the contractor that you're going to deal with what is their reputation what is their past performance history uh, what are their ratings what do other people say about them you need to do an awful lot of vetting so that was a very expensive lesson. So, but for $350 and 30 minutes worth of advice, the lawyer told us, the guy's a con artist and, and he does this to a lot of people, but ultimately that's the way he writes his contract. So if you are going to consider custom building a house or building any house, period, read the goddamn contract. And secondly, Take it to a lawyer and have them read the goddamn contract. And finally, if the contract has any red flags in it, such as um, the buyer of this house must sign a non-disclosure agreement, number one, that's a huge red flag. Two, you can't say anything to anybody about the work we do, another big red flag. And finally, if it has this clause in it, that you must go to arbitration prior to filing a lawsuit, then walk away from the goddamn contract because it is not worth it and you're going to get burned somewhere along the line. So those are important things to remember when you're dealing with any contractor. If their contract has any red flags in it, walk away. Secondly, never in the state of Florida ever, ever buy any house, custom build any house, if you don't do it on a standard state of Florida real estate contract. If you do, you are going to get screwed. Okay, so that's it today for Bob's Keep It Simple podcast. Thank you. Hope you learned something.